All right, I'm going to pray before I get into this this morning. Lord, we just thank you for this time we have this morning. Uh, thank you for your word. We thank you for your amazing love towards us. Uh, Lord, I'm grateful for the fact that when I'm off base, you help me get back on, uh, that you don't just shun me or for get rid of me, but Lord, you just say, Chris, uh, it's time, time to listen, time to walk where I want you to walk. And so we're just grateful for that, Lord, that your love is like that. It's so good to us and um, that we get to just be connected to you and to each other. And so we're thankful for that. We pray today that your word would uh, pierce our hearts, that we would be drawn closer to you today as a result of hearing your word. Um, I pray that you would give me the words to say. Yep. Pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say this morning, uh, that I would have the ability to hear you even as I speak, Lord, this morning, so that I would be obedient to you in the moment, Lord. Pray that I would... Um, have the self-control to only speak your words. Lord, I pray all of us, we just need to learn that prayer, Lord. Help us to hear you. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to walk in discipline and self-control, to hear your voice and to speak it. Only your word, whether it's good or it's hard, regardless, Lord, we want to be obedient to you. Lord, help us to receive your word, whether it's good or it's hard. Um, help us to draw close to you, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. So going into the series, less is the name of the series. It's just one word. Um, I kind of knew going in that this was going to be a tough one, a tough series, and it's always tough. I think it's very tough to talk about less, becoming less, so that he could become more. By the way, I want to just acknowledge Tom and Cindy did an amazing job this morning, uh, and Bob. It was great. Uh, you, you were worried that you would only be able to do it with just the three of you? But it sounded great. It sounded full. Um, God was honored and he was worshiped and uh, glorified. So uh, I just want to say that sometimes, you know, we think less can't be as good, but it was very good. And so um, I want to acknowledge that this morning. But uh, talking about becoming less, talking about surrender, talking about dying to yourself, talking about all those things are subjects I don't like. I'm sure you don't like them as much as I don't like them. Uh, it's, it's hard work. It requires it. There's no work following Jesus. That's not true. Salvation is free, but there are things that we have to do once we're saved, right? There are things that we have to do um, to be obedient to the Lord and faithful to the Lord. It requires some effort. It requires some commitment. It requires some sacrifice to follow Jesus. And so that kind of a series is not necessarily the funnest one. I know that sometimes we get these series and they have really cool names. I was like, that's, that's such a good series, exciting and fun. And then there's this one. It's not exciting and fun, but it's like God is chiseling and chipping away at me. And I don't like it. So, um, but that's kind of what my life has been like the last two months, to be honest. A lot of chiseling, a lot of God molding and working things out of me, putting me back to the fire because areas that I became hard and not moldable, he said, I put you back in the fire so you could become moldable again. And, um, and it's been one of those processes and so sharing a lot of what I'm going to share is based on the things that the Lord has been doing in my life, but I think it's important. I feel like um, with the craziness of the world, the church has to get back on track. And I also think that our church, it's important. This, this may not sound fantastic when I say this, but I believe we're at a crossroads. Hear me today. We're at, we're at a crossroads. 
And in order to really accomplish the things that God wants us to do, there is going to be a chiseling of my will, of my desires, of my thought processes. A chiseling that God's going to continue to do because God can never accomplish the great things He wants to accomplish through people if people stay the same. Right? It's not possible. We have to be moved. Last week we talked about this. We talked about selflessness. Today is going to be selfless as well, selfless part two. Next week we'll go into something else that's less. But we talked about this lady named Tabitha and how she was this woman who was excelling in acts of kindness and charity, which she did habitually. So she was a woman who did all kinds of amazing things, loving people, caring for people. Um, she ends up passing away, and they call for Peter to have Peter come and talk to her. And by the way, Tabitha, her name um, means Dorcas. Just to bring that back up again, because it's like my favorite word now. Um, but her name is Dorcas. And she, when she passed away, when Peter enters a room, he enters a room full of widows who were bawling their eyes out emotionally because they had lost Dorcas. And they're crying, and they're showing Peter all the things that she knitted and all the things that she made for them and all the things that she did to care for them and to show the love of God to them and all these amazing things. And I, I think that story is amazing to me that this even ends up in Scripture, but not just because she was raised from the dead, because she was moments later, but this is here because you have a woman who honored the Lord with the way she lived. If she did not excel in acts of kindness and charity they probably would have never called for Peter. Like I mentioned last week, that would have never happened. I started thinking about this. We have some Dorcases in this room. Um, I was going to call out one last week. She's not here right now. She went upstairs, but Suzette is a Dorcas. Um, one of the biggest Dorcases I've ever met, <laughs> to be honest with you. Huge Dorcas. Adam and Lori, you're Dorcases. Adopting kids, bringing people into your home, all the amazing things that you're doing, those are for the Lord, they're not for you, they're just, you're a Dorcas. So I could look around like, you're a Dorcas, you're a Dorcas, you're all a bunch of Dorcases. <laughs> Sermon is over, let's go home. Now that we all know that we're Dorcas, I, I just want to keep saying the word. But it's important because you got to understand, for somebody like her to become the person she was, there had to have been a molding that had taken place. There had to have been somebody that said to her, that spoke into her life and said, I, I need you to be transformed and changed, not just because I've come into your life, but because I now want you to influence other people. And she was molded, and she was shaped, and she was faithful, and she used her gifts for the Lord, and she did great things to help people and to serve people. Um, she became this incredible Dorcas, not just by name, but by the way she lived. She was just this person who did amazing things as a result of just doing faithful, little by little actions. She was obedient to the Lord. I feel like the Lord would say to us today, In order for you to be like Dorcas, there must be less of you and more of me. Matter of fact, even Jesus, who was God, but while he was here on the earth in the flesh, right, he still was subject to God. He made himself subject because he was in the flesh, right? Fully God, fully man. And he used the words, I must decrease and he must increase, speaking of the Father. So if Jesus said he must decrease, so that God must increase, how much more should we say the same phrase? Paul used phrases like, I have to die to my flesh. 
I die daily. It is a constant. Every single day I wake up and, and I go through a process and sometimes I go days and sometimes I even go weeks without acknowledging the fact that I have not changed in a while. I just kind of settled in, right? A dangerous place for a believer is just to settle in. I just stay this way, never changing, never because I, all the change that needed to happen to me already happened. So I'm good where I'm at. I could just, there's no need. But see, the first thing we say when we come to the presence of the Lord, I, I like the, the, the prayer that Jesus said, this is how you should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So the first thing is you recognize how good he is. When you recognize how great he is, uh, you recognize how small and bad you are. Right? There's this idea that when I pray and when I'm in the Word every single day, I'm acknowledging the fact that I need every single day to be changed a little bit more. From glory to glory to glory. Not to glory and then just stay there. Because it's a hard place, but it's, a, it's, it's hard for us to know this. And so I think that the Lord speaks to everybody differently. So some people speak English. Some people speak, people speak Spanish. Some people speak Portuguese. God speaks to me in differently than he speaks to other people. I speak only broken English and football. That's my language. So sometimes the Lord speaks to me in football, and he did this week. So just for you, I'm going to talk about football to kind of relay where we're going with this message. Back in 1993, who was alive in 1993 in this room? You are barely alive. <laughs> So back in 1993, in the NFL playoffs, there was this football game between the Houston Oilers and the Buffalo Bills. You don't even, you don't even know what happened. You probably watch highlights. That's it. I, I watched the Did you? Got it on TV. Got it on TV. So this game was interesting because the first half of the game is literally, I mean, you don't watch football at all, but this is like one of the most massive halftime blowouts in playoff history. The Houston Oilers were beating the Buffalo Bills 35-3 to at halftime. And in, in, in layman's terms, that's like they destroying them. Like it wasn't even close. As a matter of fact, nobody had ever come back from that kind of a halftime deficit in history. They go into their locker rooms and they give speeches. They come out, and in the third quarter, Houston Texans did something. Not Houston Texans. They are Houston Oilers back then. Even then, the Houston Oilers became the Tennessee Titans, and then the Houston Texans were created separately. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all confusing. They came out, and they played this defense that is called prevent defense. Right in the beginning of the third quarter. I like to call it prevent us from winning defense. Because every single time a team goes into prevent defense, they even get up given a lot of points and a lot of yards. And for some reason, they're all still stupid enough to keep doing it. But they do it. So they went to prevent defense, and Buffalo began to catch up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And they never adjusted. Houston kept playing prevent defense, thinking eventually it's going to work. Final score of the game was the Buffalo Bills 41, Houston Oilers 38. They end up losing. It's the biggest comeback still to this day, the biggest playoff comeback, playoff comeback in history. And it happened because they spent so much time trying to protect the, what happened in the first half that they forfeited what was still coming. It was this mindset that we have to save. We just now dominated like nobody's ever dominated the first half before. 
And now we have to do whatever we can to protect it and guard it rather than doing what I would do because I'm aggressive. I coached a little football back in the day. I'm aggressive. I'm like, we're up 35 to 3. That's not enough. I'm like, I want it to be 70 to 6. So let's double it up. So I'd put the foot on the gas and I would go and go and go. Uh, they did it. They said, we're just going to stop and prevent. They played this very conservative style of offense. They had, if you don't know, the name Warren Moon as a quarterback, one of the most prolific quarterbacks in NFL history. If they just would have played a little bit of offense rather than continually running the ball to try to waste the clock, like who wastes the clock with 30 minutes left in the game? They did. And they lost as a result of it. And I feel like it is important that we acknowledge and recognize that we can get to a place where we spend so much time guarding the past that we can forfeit the future. This is an important word today. The past is the past. And I got news for you. You do not need to protect it. You do not need to guard it because it cannot change. There's no person who can change what already happened. It's already done. You can't fix it. You can't change it. The mistakes that you made, by the way, we talk, had heard that word earlier. Some are, are dealing with the, the, the things that I did back then that were bad things, and I'm stuck, and I'm living in that pain and that shame and all those things. You can't change it. It happened, good or bad, it's over. So the only thing I can do now is say, hey, listen, I've got to find out a way that I can win now. How can it be effective now? They should have thrown the ball with Warren Moon. They should have done a lot of different things. They should have played an aggressive style defense. They were blitzing like crazy in the first half. They stopped doing all of that. It just got stuck in a pattern. And if you get stuck in that pattern, what eventually happens? You lose. And that's what happened with them. I could not imagine being in that locker room after the game. The coach didn't last very long, by the way. He got fired. It is important for us to get to a point, I think this is at the point we're at right now. We're at the point right now where we're like, Lord, what is it you want to do now? Help me to get my mind off what was and on what is so that I can move towards what will be if I'm obedient to you. This is a crossroads. Where am I at? Is my thinking going to change or am I going to stay the same? There are some signs, and please hear me today. I'm, trying, I'm going to try to be as gracious as I can because trust me, the last two months have been hard for me. Every time I'm praying, I'm feeling like the Lord is like, chisel, chisel. And then I feel like the Lord starts telling me, today you're going to get up and you're going to share a word. It's going to be some chiseling. And I thought last week that after I got done speaking, I had to leave because, you know, I went to a Lions game right after I said that I didn't really believe in a Lions. That people had, a lot of people had opinions they were good, and I did not necessarily hold that opinion, and I went. And since I, since I said that, they've won twice. So therefore, I still don't believe. I'm reverse psychology, I'm hoping... <laughs> Hoping something changes. The Detroit Lions organization has only won one playoff game in 66 years. They have a head, they had an ownership that just the same way. They made some decisions and they continue to make decisions based on just finances. Anybody who's around the organization will say it's all based on money for them. That's all they're worried about. And so that's why you don't have a winner. So William Clay Ford passes away. M Martha takes over. She's the wife. 
And she doesn't really change too much either because she's like 80-something years old. She's at a point in time where I'm just kind of kind of kind of carry things on for a little bit. She got to a point where she realized I need to make change. But Martha's a little bit different than William. Martha loved the city, and she thought they deserved to win. So she decided, I'm, I'm going to not hire William Jr. because he's just like his dad. He's a businessman. He's shown up to all the games all these years and had the same mindset. And instead, I'm going to break the mold, and I'm going to hire somebody completely different. I'm going to hire our daughter to become the owner of the team. So Sheila Ford Hemp becomes the owner of the team. She thinks differently. She's been involved in a community her entire life. She's been doing all kinds of things that are, um, that are very charitable, and she loves the city, and she's also a huge fan of the Lions. I'm talking a lot of football this morning. You guys are, like, totally into this, right? Football? Yeah. This is fantastic. <laughs> so so she's, she's, she, she comes in, and she has a completely different way of thinking, and she begins to change the processes within the organization. She said, we need infrastructure change because our culture stinks. We've been stuck in this, I need just to make money process, and the fans are hating us, and they're wearing bags on their heads. So we need to do something different. And she does something that I've never seen done in any sport before. She had all these people going and helping her. She actually hired consultants throughout the entire NFL because she's like, I, I know I love football, I love the community, but I don't know who to hire. And, and everybody kept pointing towards this guy as a head coach. And she was backwards on how she did things. Listen, she hired a head coach before she hired a general manager. A general manager usually is the one in charge. They hire the staff and the coaches. But she identified Dan Campbell. He said he represents the city. He represents what we want. All these different people kept pointing towards Dan Campbell. I'm going to hire him. And then she hired this guy named Brad Holmes. Said they're going to, they end up working together really well. They love each other. They're making all kinds of crazy moves initially. They trade guys like Matthew Stafford, who's been really good for 10 years. And we're going to do things different. We're going to change things up a little bit. And all of a sudden, the culture's changed. All of a sudden, when they go on the road and play in Kansas City, 15,000 Lions fans are in their stadium. When we go to play in Green Bay... Almost 20,000 fans are in Lambeau Field in Green Bay Stadium because all of a sudden, the, because these coaches and a general manager created a culture and said, this is what we're going to do, this is how we're going to build, they all kind of said, okay, let's do it, and they bought in, and there's this buy-in that happened within the organization. And then after they bought in, the fans started buying in. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Three and one's good. But what I'm looking for is, like, I want to win a playoff game. Like, that's what I'm looking for. Once we do that, then I'm like, okay, I'm on board. I do like what they're doing. I do like the mentality of the team and the players, uh, the kind of guys who just scratch, scratch and crawl, crawl, claw, and they won't lose. They won't take a loss. And if it happens, it doesn't happen because they don't work, right? They're hardworking guys, but the culture has changed. Things have changed, and they're now turning the corner and beginning to be successful. They've changed how they did things. They changed how they saw things. They changed how they view things in order to be able to move forward and accomplish something together that may be great. If they win a Super Bowl, I'm going to be honest, within the world of sports, that would be one of the greatest accomplishments a staff ever had because you win a Super Bowl Detroit Lions. You're not a saint because you don't know, might not know Jesus, but, but you, you have done something pretty amazing. So I thought about what are the things that, we can, that, that can be signs that we are playing prevent defense as a church, that we're just trying to protect what was. We can say at every single turn, this is how we've always done it at the net. That's one way. You hear that a lot, you know we're trying to protect what was. Yeah. We talked about membership last week, and I told you how much I don't like the word membership. Mm -hmm. I really don't like the word membership. But I've heard a lot 
since I've been here. And this is one of those things I'm just going to mention. I've heard members, I've heard the word prominent member. I hate the words prominent member more so than I hate member. Because what I hear when I hear prominent members, I hear they're seasoned. They've been here a long time. They were here since I've been here. So they're prominent. They're prominent. You can't become prominent without time. And this is a really important message for all of us. If we're going to operate in a way that honors God, we have to acknowledge the fact that Chelsea and Greg have been here two years, right? October 31st, I remember. I remember the phone call that happened that morning. They're just as prominent as Jeff and Denise that have been here for 800 years. Right, Jeff, you've been here that long? <laughs> Maybe not 800 years, okay? I'm just, you don't look that old, I'm just saying. There are certain people you know you can mess with, and so I will just do it. I could do it, I'm allowed. But when you use phrases like that, you're trying to what? Protect or guard what was. I'm playing prevent defense. I'm not, I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying not to lose. Nobody wins when you're trying not to lose. You ever hear the phrase, play to win, don't, pray not, don't play not to lose? Like when you play not to lose, you end up losing. But when you play to win, things change. Not protecting, not guarding what was, because I'm not willing to sacrifice what might become. Where do we go as a church? Where do we go? Do we keep my biggest concern? I shared this with people even recently, I think in the church. I'm like, my biggest concern. This is a concern for me. It's not a fear in a bad way, but I think I mentioned to you guys, even on a Sunday, I want the church to still be around in 10, 15 years. I do. Like, this is not a selfish thing. I do believe in what you guys have built. The relationships here are so strong. And I'm watching as we go to Bob's funeral, I'm hearing the stories and I'm seeing, but the reality is this, is that we are losing people. Since I've been here, I've been to so many funerals already. We have had people leave to go to other places. We have people right now currently considering going to other places. Not because the love isn't here or the relationships aren't here. It's just because they don't feel like they're important or valued because we're not listening. And I'm not saying this to be mean to all of us. Listen, this is not it. We're at a crossroads. We have to decide who we're going to be. We have to. The future of the net is just as valuable as the past of the net. I do not want what was built to be built in vain. It was great for a season, but now it's not great. And we talk about praying for our grandkids and praying for, but let's create something they want to come to, that they want to be a part of. In order to do that, I've got to stop protecting and guarding what was. I have to be saying, okay, what can we do? What creativity can we use? How can we implement the people who are here, young and old? How can we in arms? I actually have this picture because I think this is really important. I want you all to stand up really quick. We're just going to do this. This is important. As I'm going to get into the scriptures in just a minute, you're like, he's preaching a whole word without the scriptures, which is not preaching a word at all. It's just saying words. But what we're going to do is you're going to get uncomfortable for a minute, but I want you all from the outsides in to go to the middle. Just go to the middle to meet with the people. We're just going to do it. Just, this is an exercise. It's important every now and then in church to move. And I want you just to lock arms with the person next to you. Lock arms. You don't have to hold hands. I don't play that game. Like, let's everybody hold hands and sing, bind us together, Lord. 
Now, we're not going to do that, but here's, here's my point. In this room, now you're all joined, linked arms together, and, and those whose arms are linked together, we're going to wait till you're all part of this too. All of you. Uh, you absolutely are part of this. You're a prominent member. <laughs> now we're all linked, and here's, what, here's what's important. Linked together right now in this room, arm by arm, are people who have been here for how many years? Who's been here the longest? Who's been here from the beginning? Raise your head. Your, your hands are locked. You can't. Just raise, do this. <laughs> if you've been here from the beginning, all right, lock arms again. So there's people who've been here from the beginning who have been here uh, like less than 20 years. You could be just, I was born here, but I'm under 20. Right here, right here. You got some less than 20 years, less than 10 years, less than five multiple generations, people from every single part. All of you are equally valuable. God's intention for the church is that we are all locked in arms together and moving forward and accomplishing mission, not that we stay where we're at and say, instead of said what we could be doing, I want you to try this. Everybody let go of your arms. Everybody, everybody from the outside, everybody just turn in towards each other. And everybody just did one giant hug. One giant hug. One giant hug. Aw, you guys are so loving. <laughs> Hugging's good, right? But the point I'm making is we could, we could just huddle. We could just huddle within ourselves and say, I'm staying right here. I'm guarding what's within the circle. We could do that, or we could say we're going to lock arms and move forward in battle. Because there are people in our community worth fighting for. It is harder to break. It is. You can sit back normally if you want, or you can just stay right there with, with, if you want to. The rest of the service, I can see some of you guys are like, I just, this is really fun. So this is, uh, now that you're almost back in your seats, Twenty years from now, people will be saying, "Remember that giant hug we did in the middle of the sanctuary? That was so nice." So I'm going to go to Romans chapter 15 this morning, and we are going to do communion. By the way, people are wondering it's going to be at the end of service because I feel like it fits with what we're going to do today. But I'm going to read this word from Paul to the Church of Rome. I'm going to get into a couple other passages as well, but it says this in verse number one. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weakness of those without strength. And not just to please ourselves. Do you know it's possible to bear somebody else's burden just because it makes you happy or just because it makes you look good? So he's like, I don't want you to do this because of yourself. This goes back to the selfless mentality that we have to have. Because here's the thing. If we are going to move forward, there's going to be a lot of self-death that's going to happen, spiritually speaking. It's going to happen with me. It's going to happen with you. It's automatic. We can't move forward without it. We have to die to our flesh. We have to stop being selfish. A lot of times the mentalities are things that we don't want to do. I have to have because we prefer, because we've done this. We prefer it. That's going to have to go away. So not just to please ourselves, but each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. So we're supposed to do things in order to help them grow, not to be seen, to feed their spirit, not so that we are acknowledged. 
For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, he taunts those who taunt you. He taunts those, he taunts, sorry, the taunts of those who taunt you have fallen on me. So in other words, he took all the taunts for us. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now may, God, may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you, hear this, to be of the same mind with one another. Now this is a really important thing because I think it is vital. You remember a few months back I talked about Paul and Barnabas and how they parted ways. Did they have the same heart towards God? Yes, they did. Did they have the same heart to reach people? They just didn't have the same mindset, so they separated in order for both of them to accomplish and bear fruit. This is important. I think it's vital that the church has the same mindset, one body. That's why we have so many churches, because not everybody thinks exactly the same, but we can all accomplish the mission if we are with people who are like-minded, like-hearted, and we can just go and do the work that God's called us to do. So it is important that we're of the same mind, but this is where the ticker is, right? I want you to be with the same mind as one another according to Christ Jesus. So like if you have like five different mindsets in the room, right, you might have only one that is of the mind of Christ. Because if two think differently, most of the time in those situations, either they're both not listening to the Lord or only one is. Does that make sense? Because God's not confused. He knows what he's doing. He knows what his heart is. He knows what he wants to say and do. So in order for us to get to that place where we have the same mindset, it requires me to die to myself, die to my way of thinking, and surrender so that I can have the mind of Christ. Because if we both have the mind of Christ, then we both have the same mindset, right? What is God saying for the net? What does he want us to do? Where does he want us to go? How does he want us to do it? Have to be able to get to the place where I'm not thinking about myself, but I'm thinking about, Lord, what do you want? Let him then begin to put his thoughts in our minds and his heart, uh, his heart in our heart and help him begin to ask him to begin to lead us and direct us because we can't get to the same mindset with one another unless it's surrounded by the idea that it's Christ Jesus who leads. So that with one purpose and one voice, you may glorify the God, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a powerful statement. I want you to be of the one mindset in Christ Jesus, or according to Christ Jesus, so that then you can walk and operate in one purpose. Protecting or guarding what was, to hear me, is, is there's no longer a purpose in that. Because purpose is always moving forward. God doesn't have, I, I have a purpose for you. It's like, I don't have a, I don't, I didn't used to have a purpose for you. Like, my purpose didn't change. And so even though those things happen, I don't want you to guide, I want you to move forward. Purpose. So with one purpose, and then with one voice. Remember the Bible says that the world will know that you are mine by the way that you love one another, that you are one mind, one heart, one purpose, and that when you speak, you speak in one voice. I can tell. You ever have anybody, you have siblings, anybody have siblings? It's unfortunate that I have siblings, but uh, they're all watching right now. <laughs> but, uh, but you'll notice something that a lot of times siblings, or if it, with your parents, you, don't, you, you have some similarities in the way you look, but sometimes your mannerisms are the same. Sometimes you talk the same way. Like my wife was at, uh, went to a, the final on Eagles Wings retreat ever this weekend, 
And uh, she was there this weekend, and she was with friends and stuff like that, and she went and spent some time with my sister. And she's like, it was good. We had a good time, but she talked a lot. And I said, I wonder where she gets that from. <laughs> right? So there, there does come a point in time that if somebody knows my brother and then they see me and hear me talk, they'd be like, they belong together. Right? Because we kind of talk similar. We kind of look similar, which me and my brothers all kind of look similar. We all talk a decent amount. We all talk loud. We all talk fast. It's the same with the church, that when we live in community together and we're walking in one purpose together, it's almost like the things that we say are the same as well because we have the same mind and heart as Christ. And we have bought into not only him, but where he is sending us, how he is leading us. And when we buy into that same thing, what happens is you just begin to repetitively say the things. This comes out of your mouth. Matter of fact, if you say certain things around here, people are like, do you go to Fisherman's Net? I'm, I'm honest. It's probably true. But one purpose, one voice, one mindset. Therefore, accept one another just as Christ also accepted us for the glory of God. So not only do we have one mindset, one voice, one purpose, but we're to accept every single person who comes through the doors. I, I thought, I'm not going to play the scene from the movie. I'm not going to play the scene from the movie. Skip the first video. We just don't have time for that. I was going to play a scene from the movie Remember the Titans, which, by the way, is the best movie ever made. <laughs> not just because it's about football. Not just because it's about football, but the story is so powerful. And there's a scene in the movie where these two groups of these two teams that were forced to come together because of integration... They were not getting along, and the coach of the white school was forced to accept the coach of the black school to be the head coach, and so there was, they were never on the same page. They were like trying to come on the same page, and it was this camp time. You know, have you ever been to football camp in the beginning of the year? It is the most miserable time of your life. Um, it is dirty, it is hot, and it is constant work, and the reason why you do it is because there's something that happens in the atmosphere of work and going crazy and <laughs> doing all the things you do, something that unites a team. So there's this scene where they're just being really bad at camp, and so the head coach decides, I'm going to make all of you go on a run in the middle of the night, like 2 in the morning or something like that. And they all get up, and they're all angry that they're awake, and the head, the head coach, the former head coach of the white team's like, this is not, the, we're not the Marines, is what he says. That's the exact words. Like, let's just go back to bed. And then he just looks at him, says comment, and then and he just starts running. Everybody else had to follow with him. And he basically told him that if you don't run with me and finish, if you don't finish this race, you can just pack up and go home. You're not going to be on the team anymore. So they run through woods, and they run through hills, and they run through water. You see the scenes where they're running through the lake or whatever, river or whatever it is, and they're all soaked, and they're dirty, and they're sweaty, and they get to the end of the road. He, goes, he says to them, you know where we're at right now? And he says, this is Gettysburg. He begins to tell the story of all the people who were, died there, and they died fighting the same battle that they're fighting today. He said this, this word, he says, if we don't come together on this hollow ground, we will be destroyed. And it became a very uniting thing. And I think it is a very important thing that we understand that it is vital that we come together. Same heart, same mindset, same purpose. Followed by following the Holy Spirit's leading to accomplish the things that He's called us to accomplish. Or we will be destroyed. I believe that's the truth. Talked to stats last week, 4,500 churches a year closing their doors. 
3,000 new churches every single year starting. Why? I start thinking about why. Because what's happened is people have guarded what was. And people who were with them, I know a lot of them, by the way, who started churches, were like, I can't. Like, I can't. I'm not going to die with you. Like, I'll live with you. <laughs> but I want to be effective. I feel that way. I'm 49 years old. I'm 50. I'm like, Lord, I want to be the most fruitful person I could possibly be over the next 20, whatever the rest of the time I'm alive. It could be like six weeks. It could be like this afternoon, right? You never know. But I want to be fruitful. I want to be effective. I want to make sure that the words I speak are the words of the Lord. I want to make sure the actions I take are the actions that are obedient to the Lord. So I understand that's what's happening. These churches are, are not being fruitful. So what's happening is these people are like, we're just going to, kind of like the Paul and Barnabas thing. And they're starting these churches that are thriving. The average new church, when they open, in a, in a, and this is a fact, that they open up in a new uh, mobile facility, usually they're mobile, and they go through all these different trainings and stuff in order to try to reach their communities. And the average church starts off with like 400-something people in their first service. Why is that the case while the other churches are struggling and dying? The reason why is because they're protecting what was, and those people are chasing what's, where, where are we going, God? Where do you want to lead? What do you want us to do? And there are people who are hungry, who want to be effective, and want to be fruitful, and don't want to sit. So they're running to these new churches. It's not a bad thing. It's important that we acknowledge and recognize that it's time to stop protecting what was before it's too late. I thought about this in prayer. I'm like thinking, what does it look like in 10 years for the net? How many of you will be with Jesus in 10 years? We don't know. But it's possible a good portion of us. And if we don't do what's necessary, what's left? I don't like that thought because I do think what you have done and built in the past is worth saving, worth building on. And saving might seem like a drastic word, but it's kind of true. We have to be careful to be obedient to the Lord, to be of the same mind, to be of the same purpose, same voice, not staying in a giant huddle, but armed together, moving in the Lord. Philippians 2, verse 1, Therefore, I love the way this is worded, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any, like the words are like, if this is true, if you have any encouragement in Christ, or if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit. So now he's going deeper, like into your, do you have fellowship with the Holy Spirit? Is there any of that? If any affection and compassion make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit and intent on one purpose. You hear Paul's talking to two different groups of people, but he's giving the same exact message because God's consistent. The message is the same. I've put things in front of you to accomplish. I've put you in a community where people need to know Jesus. I've put you, but now it's up to you. Are you going to change? And I'll be honest, it's been fun. We've made some changes. I don't like change like you don't like. Some of you don't like change. I, don't, I necessarily don't like change either. I've just been called to do it. So we start making changes, and we turn that tape room into a welcome center. It's nice. I like to see more people coming to it. We, before I even got here, you redid this room. I saw the old pictures. You guys did a good job. 
right? Little changes. Upstairs is redone for the kids. It's all awesome. They're all structural facility changes. But now is the heart changes, the mindset changes that have to take place or we don't go anywhere. Why aren't we growing? I hear that multiple times. We've grown a little bit, tiny bit. A few people have come. Some people have stuck. I'm glad you're here. It requires something of us. I've heard the Lord more than once say, Chris, get out of my way. Uh, have you ever heard that? I've heard that from the Lord. He actually tells me that pretty much every day. It's important that we are led by the Holy Spirit, moving in a direction, not staying still. That we're united. I love this passage because it's like to be united in the Spirit, to be intent on one purpose, to be of the same mind, Paul says, it makes my joy complete to see a church that operates like that. That's the heart of the Lord for us. Then it says, do this, says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourself. In other words, you're more important than I am. You're more important than I am. Hear what I'm saying? This is our mindset. This is not this, us coming together. It's not about what I can get. That's the problem with membership mentality. Right? When I hear the word prominent member, what I actually hear, remember I heard what I hear when you say something last week? Well, this is what I hear when I hear prominent member. What I hear is somebody who's been here a long time getting what they want for a long time. Because that's member. The word member, that's just what it means to me. I'm getting what I want out of this place. The kingdom does not operate that way. The kingdom says, what can we give? Why did Paul use phrases like, I'm being poured out like a drink offering? Matter of fact, later on in this passage, he says, even if I'm being poured out on your sacrifice, on your, on your faith, it's a sacrifice on your faith, uh, it's a good thing. Like, it's an awesome thing. I'm, good, I'm glad to be poured out on you so that you can do the things that God's called you to do. It's an amazing thing that we get to do those things. Consider the other people around you more important than yourself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also the interest of others. I'm going to suggest today that we begin to look out for the interests of those who aren't here as a church, rather than our own, rather than what we think it should look like here. I want to start thinking about the people next door. I want to start thinking about my kids who are here sometimes, but they're not here this morning. I want to start thinking about your kids. I want to start thinking about your grandkids. I want to start thinking about, that's, I want to start, that's what we got to start thinking about. And when we do things, do so with them in mind. When we make decisions, elders, do so with them in mind. Not with my thought process, not with what I... No, not none of that. Forget that. It's time for us to leave the building. Right? Let the Lord take over. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who as he already existed in, in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So this is the humility of, of the Lord, right? He's God still in the flesh, but he's like, I'm, I'm not considering equality because I'm in the flesh. But emptied himself. Now you want to know what signs there are that we're no longer playing prevent defense? 
but now we're doing what the church is supposed to be doing, and that is that church should never leave offense. We don't play defense. We're so good at offense. <laughs> this is the truth. We're so good at offense that we score every time, and we score often when we're unified and working together. One of the signs you know that you are not playing prevent defense is that you're emptying yourself. And I'm not talking about just teaching. I'm not talking about just mentoring and those kind of things. But I'm talking about I'm emptying my will. <laughs> like, Lord, I just don't want my will to be done. I want yours to be done. I'm emptying my mindset in the way I think. Lord, I just don't want to keep thinking the way I think. I want you to help me to think like you, right? This is an emptying that takes place. He did so by taking, he did what he did by taking the form of a bondservant. So what does that mean for us? Take the form of a bondservant and serve one another and serve the community. Another thing he did, a couple of verse down, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. He became obedient to the death, and this is one to, to the cross. He became obedient to death in order to save us. Well, what does that mean for us? That means we become obedient by dying to ourselves yeah. and our own desires and our own way of thinking. I'm, I'm going to keep mentioning thinking because over and over in this passages, it said we have the same mindset. And the only way we could be on the same mindset is if we decide I'm crucified with Christ. My mind is being transformed by the, I'm being re renewed by the transforming of my mind through the word of God and through what God is leading us to do and he's given us direction. So my mind is changing. I'm dying to myself just as Jesus died to self. He's a great example, by the way, in case you don't know. I'm going to go all the way down for time. I'm going to end with this part here. Verse number 13 says, for it is God who is at work in you, both to desire and to work for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work in you and I, and he's doing so really to change our desires, to change what we do, to change how we do things, in order that we begin to operate for his good pleasure in unity together. That's God's heart for us. How do we get there? How do we get there? It is not hard by words. <laughs> I could say how we can get there. Doing it's the hard part. We get there by surrender. It's really that, e that easy. But in order to do that, pride has to be gone. I have to say, Lord... <laughs> I'm going to be humble and broken, and I'm going to come to an altar, and I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to die to the way I think. I'm going to die to the way, because here's the thing. I've been preventing, but protecting what was, but not necessarily faithful in what is. And we could think that we're being faithful to the Lord, but we're just guarding and protecting. It's not really faithfulness. I'm still stuck back here. And if I live in the history, so there's nothing wrong with history. History is a good thing. And it's not going anywhere, by the way. I mentioned it earlier. It's not leaving just because we do new things. I can't change it. You can't change it. Nobody can change it. But if I live there and I'm not willing to, I'm going to guard it and protect it and every single thing we try to do is going to be argued or fought against, what happens is you're not really being faithful to the Lord. You used to be. Hugging what was. God saying, let go. Move on. I have, here, you'll be shocked when I say this, I have greater things to do through you. 
and you can't do the greater things that I have for you to do if you're still guarding what was. It's a new season. The world's changed. We don't change what we believe. We stand on the word of God. We preach the word of God unapologetically. But we have to change how we do things. It's inevitable if we don't. It's not the dying to self that will happen. It's 10, 15, less maybe, I don't know. Remember the net? That used to be a great church. That sound good to any of you? <laughs> used to be. Used to be. I never want to be a used to be until I'm dead. Every one of us in this room, by the way, you're three generations from nobody knowing who you were. There could come a time if we're not faithful or obedient to the Lord, there will be a time where nobody even knows the fisherman's net ever existed. How are we going to move forward? There's a crossroads. Lord, lead us. We're going to have communion. I know it's a little late, but we're going to have communion at, as, as part of a time of consecration, but also a time where we're going to have some open. I have a, a video that I'm going to play. It's just a worship song, so it's nothing major. You, if you have to leave, by the way, you're free to leave at this point in time, but maybe you just today want to find a place at the altar. Maybe you want somebody to pray with you. Maybe you're just like, I just... I just need to do some consecrating. <laughs> I need to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my mind. Which, by the way, that is a daily thing. But sometimes when we hear a word of the Lord, it's either, get this guy out of here, we hate him. And I wrestled with this, by the way, before I spoke this, and I really feel like this is a word from the Lord. So I really feel like if you say that, then you're basically saying, I don't want your word, Lord, because I still want to defend what was. But communion is such an amazing thing that we get to do. You can go ahead and begin to pass it out. It's an amazing thing that we get to do. I want to read a couple passages because I really think these are relevant passages. They're not necessarily communion passages, but they're relevant to what we're talking about. Because communion is a time where we remember all the good things that Jesus did, but we also remember that Jesus didn't just do amazing things, but he also told the church, you're going to go and do even greater things. So Jesus was always establishing something, but he was always also looking forward to what was going to happen after he was raised from the dead, right? There was always a looking forward with him. As a matter of fact, everything he did had eternity in mind, looking forward to that time. So there was a constant looking forward. But for us, it's hard for us to have that mindset. So I'm going to read a passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or do you not know that, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit with you, um, within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own, for you have been bought for a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Second passage, Galatians 3, 13 through 15. Christ bought us with his blood and made us free from the law. Two passages, and I think it's really important, I think they connect with communion pretty well, but these passages are saying, you were bought, you were purchased with the blood of Christ. If he purchased or redeems us, there is an ownership factor, by the way. 
And if we don't allow him to have that ownership, that's when we just kind of sit. Because the Holy Spirit would just wait. Like, I'm waiting for you to come back to being obedient. I'm waiting for you to come back to listen to me. I'm waiting for you to allow me to do greater things in you. But he has purchased us, which means it is vital to us as believers say, Lord, <laughs> I'm yours. I think this week at one point in time, I'm actually Friday night, I'm praying, and I literally, there's no altar in my room, but I used the phrase, I'm put, I said, Lord, I'm putting myself on the altar. Consume my heart, my mind. And I remember laying down, I laid down just for a short few minutes, praying, and that was my heart, that was my mindset laying down. And I think that's what we're going to do this morning. Um, we're going to take communion together, but I'm going to say this, we're not going to talk anymore. This is between you and the Lord, because I think it's we remember, but we also ask. We're remembering what he did, but we're asking him to continue to do a new, fresh work in us. And as this song plays, I put two just in case you want to pray for a while. If you want to leave, you can leave. But take communion as you feel led. I'm not going to say anything more at this point in time. It's just you and the Lord consecrating your heart before the Lord, spending some time praying, preparing the words you want to say to me after service. <laughs> but just in prayer, Lord, I'm yours. I'm sorry that I tried to play, take ownership back. This repentance word we don't talk about a lot, but I think it's important. Lord, I repent that I have not been faithful in what's in front of me. This includes me. A lot of things I've had to repent for over the last couple months regarding my heart towards things. So Lord, right now we just come to you. Our hearts are grateful for all that you've done. So good, so faithful. Lord, please help us to surrender our hearts, that we lay ourselves on the altar this morning. Surrendered and repentant, Lord. We acknowledge maybe that we have fallen short in the way we think or the way we've done things, Lord. And we repent this morning. We're turn around. We want to move forward, Lord. Help us to get in line with you now so that we can accomplish the things that you have in front of us together. Help us to build something that is never, never becomes a used to be, but that is always, until the day you return, influential and impactful in this region where we pray right now for that in Jesus name help us to surrender and become less so that you can become more and so that you can multiply those who fill this house in Jesus name